Hello, everybody, and yes, thank you, Janet Lee. Wow, this I may, I may have to put this at the top of your playing list. Is really, really close to last week. Those are two absolutely supra organ playing uh, so, uh, list of songs. Thank you very much. And ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> today is Easter. And what a profound and beautiful and glorious uh, thing that it is uh, to be an understanding person that has the knowledge of the meaning of Easter. You know, uh, in the scripture it talks about that if there was no resurrection, then we of all men would be most miserable. And, and there's truth in that uh, because we have such dependence and such hope. But think about the people that do not have that dependence and hope uh, because they don't have the faith to, and they don't believe. And, um, you know, um, they lose no matter which way you, you look at it unless they make a change. But I want to thank the Lord right now today for Jesus Christ, uh, who lives in my heart, who I've accepted as my personal Savior, uh, whose name I believe is above all names, uh, who I believe is my Lord and my Father, which art in heaven. And I just thank, I thank my Lord Jesus. I love him. I devoted my life to him. And I just desire to so much to be able to please him. And on this day of, the, of Easter, and regardless of, you know, whether someone might like that name or someone might think that it's not quite the right day, you know, <clears throat> sometimes you have to just call things uh, that are not to be as though they are and that are to be as though they are not. You just put it in the hand of, of, of the Lord uh, God Almighty. And, and he knows your heart, and he knows where, where, where you are coming from. So praise the Lord. Today, today, ladies and gentlemen, you, you need to really concentrate, if I may say that, on this message. <clears throat> it is a message that will be, um, it will be stirring. And, uh, and it might, um, uh, you know, it might set some people uh, into a contrary motion <laughs> Of, uh, of thought um, when I start saying some of the things that I am going to say. But what I am telling you, ladies and gentlemen, is, is uh, based on the Bible. And uh, I have not taken uh, any reference from uh, the Gnostics or, or some of the, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, videos that have been popular out on the, the market and on TV. Uh, I haven't taken anything from any of those kind of books. Um, I, I, I do uh, once or twice refer to history because history is a totally different thing. Uh, there is the Bible history and then there are, there are histories that have been written by, by other people just recording the times of, of a nation or of, uh, of a particular uh, uh, event uh, or series of events that have happened and have been recorded. And so uh, I think once or twice I mentioned something like that. Uh, but uh, basically, it all comes from uh, the the root capability that is in the Bible. And uh, <clears throat> let's just get started. Um, I there is this um, lost language of Akva, and uh, it is um, a, a, an incredible revelation that was given to me many years ago. And sometimes you only have to have just one or two revelations 
uh, on that particular um, aspect of Akba. And uh, it, it, it uh, has, you know, revelation of, of the most profound nature. Um, we, we know when we read Genesis 11.1, uh, uh, how that long ago uh, on earth there was a time that people wrote and they spoke one language. And then there came about uh, a scrambling of those people who whose interest was really not in the divine things of God. And uh, <clears throat> all of a sudden, uh, the the Akva, which was the kinship reality uh, that was about the heavenly reality, uh, it became a lost brotherhood and sisterhood. And so uh, even the meaning of the uh, Tetragrammaton, the YHVH, uh, how to pronounce it and what the meaning of it was, also lost. So uh, we we come to understand uh, from uh, Joel 2.25 and Matthew 17.11 and uh, Isaiah 58.12 and Psalms 23.3 uh, how that uh, God wants to, he wants to restore uh, humankind so that they can be saved. And uh, we also come to understand uh, from Matthew 4.4 4 and Deuteronomy 8.3 that God says, we must live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So once we begin to understand the imminence and the profanity of uh, needing to understand and, to, and to, to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, um, then this thing of the lost akva um, is, it, although it has been a mystery, sealed to the ages and generations of time, <clears throat> excuse me, um, uh, which you can read about in a certain extent uh, of it in Colossians one twenty five through 27, Revelations 5, 1 through 5, Matthew 13, 10, and Luke 8, 9 through 11. Uh, and you can see that, that uh, there are just all kinds of very interesting uh, things that have to do with the connection. Now, if you want to go into the concordance, into the Hebrew, and look up some of the terms that rely uh, refer to this, uh, you can uh, get it uh, in, and I'll give you just a few of them, Strong's Hebrew Dictionary Concordance, number 251, uh, 252, 253, 262, 263, 264, 268, 280, 299, 310, 2324, 2330, 2331, 2332, 2421, 2420, 1933, and 1961. And these words are all connected into a very profound sense of um, interpretive meanings, um, just as Daniel reported uh, as a very spiritual person uh, who had... Uh, uh, you know, uh, Akava and Akva uh, uh, under insight, and uh, and he was a you know a manifester revealer, uh, as it reveals in uh, Daniel uh, five twelve, and uh, relates to Strong's Hebrew uh, concordance two six three and two sixty two. So uh, thinking about this lost 
lost ah. Uh, a lot of times when you look at a word, it'll give you the it'll give you the a ah at the end of a word, um, and you come to understand that that a ah is, is is a short abbreviation for uh, Yahweh or Yahvehel. And uh, so, so um, you know, just understanding the intensity of, of the depth of it is so, so powerful. Now, um, we, we've come to understand that when we examine terms like forever and ever and evermore and eternity, uh, that they all end up meaning uh, the vanishing point. And what that basically uh, defers to and and uh, defines to is that um, there is a point which the human mind, uh, uh, without some very special assistance from God and the Sp- Holy Spirit, uh, just cannot see beyond a certain vantage point. And, and because of that, everything that reaches that vantage point and then goes beyond becomes a vanishing situation. And it's called the vanishing point. So when, when it, the Bible talks about forever and ever, uh, it doesn't mean that there is not an elongation, uh, you know, of, endur- of duration there, uh, that is vast and, and even, uh, descriptive, uh, by certain kinds of language and certain kinds of understanding. But it means to to the to the majority of humans on earth with their present uh, intellectual and spiritual understanding, uh, there is a, a vantage point of which the the meanings of those uh, secretive uh, bits of knowledge uh, are just they just disappear. And and so we want through the seer uh, prophet ministry and this uh, which is the uh, manifester ministry, uh, we want to to eliminate the vanishing point. And today, as we talk on this uh, mystery of Mary Magdalene, there are certainly many uh, situations there that have had va- uh, vanishing points that really should not have had vanishing points, uh, and they have created a situation that people cannot uh, perceive and re- have a re- manifest relation of the truth. And, um, you know, the Bible tells us in Second Corinthians 4.3 that if the, the gospel, which we include in that revelation, is hid, then it's hid to those who are confused about the truth. Or as, as the K, you know, KJV put it, it's hid to them who are lost. And so uh, it, it is so important for this revelation to get out and get out to the world. Um, also, um, you know, uh, and that was in Second Corinthians four three, and Second Corinthians four four, uh, because the God of this world has blinded uh, their minds, so that their believing is made limited to the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, the shining image of God, and uh, you know Second Corinthians four six. But God has commanded, God has commanded the light to shine out of darkness into the people's hearts that the light of the knowledge of the glory of God may reveal the aura of the face of Jesus Christ. And then uh, going on with Second um, Corinthians 4-7, we have this treasure. Now, you ladies and gentlemen, you have it. I have it. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, which is our physical earthly body, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. Wow. Wow. 
And uh, in Second Corinthians um, 6.10, it says, Having nothing, yet possessing all things. Second uh, Corinthians ten sixteen to preach the gospel in regions beyond uh, your present knowledge, and that's where we come back and refer to this thing about overcoming the the vanishing point. Uh, we are offering you today in this uh, message revelation of Mary Magdalene uh, a a position into a new space and and uh to to take you where uh, most of you have never gone before because you've never had the opportunity to go there really because of the indoctrinations that have blocked the way uh the things that have been taught the things that have not been taught uh they they have been a blockade and uh <clears throat> and so so god is causing us as described in second corinthians 4:18 to to see through a a of uh, uh, a special vision and to see beyond the glass darkly and uh, and uh, to to uh, look not at the things which are seen uh, which are temporal but to look at the things which are not seen which are eternal blessed be the name of God okay so now uh, let's start off with um, this message here. Uh, from uh, I'm a Titus first little uh, section here, the bride, the woman message, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Revelations 22:17, and Revelations 22:17 says, and the Spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him let him take the water of life freely. Now, I want you to particularly notice that it is rarely ever advertised or every ever mentioned or, or hardly ever discussed in, in, in the truest sense of the power of its meaning uh, that it talks about that the Spirit says, come. But now we have something that and has actually been put on an equal uh, because it's, it's, it's conjuncted. It says, and the Spirit... And the bride say, "Come." Now we're not saying they are equal in their total, their to, to, uh, total aspect, uh, but that in this particular aspect of of call, and 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 of um, uh, professing and commencing and uh, expressing uh, and and putting into that expression the the patterns and and the message uh that is the deemed message of the hour uh that is something that both the spirit and the bride are saying they're saying come now there's a message and and i'm here as the manifester uh to say to you that the spirit the holy spirit it has been saying for people to come but there's another thing that has been saying for people to come and and uh and this is is both for men and women but it should be something that that women uh should especially uh you know uh seal themselves to because it is definitely a liberation uh for for the women <clears throat> who God has called into his service and ministry so here we want to say that God is speaking and and by the holy spirit and God is speaking by the bride and 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 the the bride is saying uh, come and and it says you need to hear you need to come and 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 you need to to quench your thirst 
you need to take it freely. There, there's all, all the objectivities uh, that have prevented people from taking advantage of this revelation of the of the bride saying, "Come," uh, has been because of of the uh, spilled uh, 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 liquid of of uh, of misinformation that has been spread by indoctrinations of people that do not know the Bible and yet are trying to teach the Bible. And some of them are wearing, you know, uh, priest garments. But that does not make them uh, more fit than someone that is filled with the Holy Ghost. And some of them have been are wearing uh, a lot of uh, uh, seminary uh, credentials and college credentials. But that does not make them more fit than the 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 fitting and the power of the Holy Ghost. And that does not make them more ready to hear the message of the Holy Spirit and of the bride that is saying, come. So we want you to listen to this message in the most, uh, uh, you know, dedicated way, uh, because over the course of time, uh, the divine aspect of the meaning of the bride and the bridegroom has been silenced or changed of, of its meaning. Now, I want to say that again. Over the course of time, the divine aspect of the meaning of the bride and the bridegroom has been silenced or changed of its meaning. You know, so uh, like there is this example, and I'm not going to turn to it, but in 18, Revelations 18.23, and it's when there's a big destruction that is coming upon the earth and, and things are happening at this time. And, and then this voice says, and then the voice of the bride and the bride uh, and the bridegroom are heard no longer. There's various places in the scripture where, uh, when a nation uh, that was even a nation that was, uh, uh, you know, called of God, uh, have failed uh, their call, and and then there would come the time, like you know, when they they were lying in ruin and lying in devastation, uh, that the scripture would say, you know, and 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 there was no more birds; they had all fled, and and, and there was no more dancing and and merriment, and and the voice of the bride and 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 the bridegroom could no longer be heard. So it's a really, really sad thing that the Bible portrays and profiles that when uh, these things that are meant to give people a lift, that are meant to help people through their depressions and obsessions, that are meant to give people a greater expedience uh, into the carriage uh, of these uh, informative things of the Spirit, uh, it's really sad uh, when those things are not made available and people are blocked deliberately just based on uh, misinformation they've been given because people have assumed something that is not true. And and so uh, we're here today to, to break off that gauze that has ra- wrapped uh, a part of the body that has no wound. And, and we are here to expose that there is a healthy uh, body ministry uh, there that God wants uh, the world to be liberated with and God wants to be set free. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be his holy, wonderful name. Now, in Revelations 21-2, John sees the New Jerusalem. He sees the New Jerusalem, uh, the holy city, out of heaven, and uh, and is prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, there are several important things about this revelation, and that is that 
number one, the new Jerusalem that is going to come down, it is, it is, it is not being made on earth. It's coming down from heaven. Now, not the heaven of heavens. The heaven of heavens is a totally spirit heaven and has no physical materializations in it. No atoms, no molecules exist in the first domain, the heaven of heavens, the king's domain. Nothing That does not exist there. That's the heaven of heavens. Uh, we don't get involved with that until all the universe has rolled up as a scroll and the end of all universal living has ceased to be. In the meanwhile, though, there are other uh, places in the heavens, in the universe, that that uh, we uh, can be connected with, like in, in the uh, 14th chapter of John, the Gospel of John, that talks about the Father's house. And this, this, this is a you know, a planet. Now the term house, if you really get to looking it up and look at those terms up in astronomy, those are, are, are literally ast uh, uh, astronomy uh, terms uh, for descriptive things. And so it's right in the language of reality and, and uh, you know, needs to be understood that, that this is really incredible. And as I've been preaching recently, like when we get into the uh, to the book of Mark, and we look at the 16th chapter of Mark, uh, it is absolutely amazing what we find there that I've been consistently preaching when in Mark 16:15 Jesus said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And and when you look up the uh, go into all the world, because someone says, Well, go into all the world, now where is that? And someone says, Well, that just means everywhere on earth. Well, how do you know that's what that means? Well, let's look it up in the concordance and see what the word uh, world means. And then you look it up in the concordance, and it means cosmos, which is basically all the stars like in the universe. So it says, go you into all the universe and preach the gospel to every creature. And now we begin to understand something that that there is an uh, there is a star time there is a, a lengthening there is an extension something far beyond uh, what is the norm of being taught out there in 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 what is called the the, the Christian you know uh, definition of of the Bible and um, uh, we we are not here today to try to consign ourselves uh, to uh, getting along with with anybody uh, by uh, compromising what we believe but we will not by our believing in something put somebody else down or we will not judge them uh, we will not make them less uh, than we are we will just share this revelation God has given but we will not be confined and reduced to to uh, silence because somebody doesn't like that we're saying it. <laughs> Believe me, uh, this word is going, to, is going to go on. And I can remember way, 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 way back when I first started preaching on the radio, uh, you know, like 45 or more years ago. And I remember I was starting to give, you know, just very uh, mild revelation. And, and the preachers uh, that were had um, radio broadcasts on that same station, they all got hold of the radio manager and they said if you don't turn this guy off we're going to pull out from this station 
Uh, and then he says, well, why? What has he done? Does he say anything against you? No, he never says anything against us. It's just the things that he's teaching. Well, doesn't he have the right to teach, you know, the the, the philosophy that he feels is from God? Uh, well, no, he doesn't. Not if we're going to be on this station. So they called me and they said, we're very sorry to do this, but um, we're going to have to take you off of this station because... Um, uh, there's these preachers that don't like what it is that you, you say. And I said, oh, really? Well, I said, uh, okay, bye. And uh, then I just went on <laughs> preaching, you know, and God just st started opening all other all kinds of other doors and um and it's just amazing um you know how that this word is going to get out. This word is going to be preached. This word is going to to be rapturous uh, and beautiful it's going to be like the beauty of holiness to a lot of people blessed be the name of god <clears throat> okay now we were going to read in um uh revelations 21 2 and revelations uh 21 2 says and i john saw the holy city jerusalem coming down from god out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband when you get into the bible especially in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament. It is just got, oh, it has all kinds of references, it just of, of a constant continuum, uh, uh, sporadic uh, from between spaces uh, of, of, uh, of literary renderings and offerings, and, and uh, that it con is constant in coming back up about the bride and about the bridegroom and, and, and things that refer to that. And it, and it gets very, very indelible and, and, and so worthwhile of mention that uh, uh, we have to see how that this John, you know, he says, I, I, I saw something here. I, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there's a new Jerusalem. Do you understand? It's nothing like the old Jerusalem. It's not, re, it's not the old Jerusalem remade and revamped and rebuilt. It's a new Jerusalem. And the old Jerusalem was based on the idea and the theme of the temple. And that was the whole purpose of and, and concept of the old Jerusalem. But the Bible says that this new Jerusalem is not built on that same contact, uh, same, same connection. And, uh, you know, he says in another place that, that he walks in uh, and, and, and lo and behold, he says, there was no temple therein. And so we we begin to see that that the meaning of this is just incredible, and then as it begins to describe uh, this great city, verse twelve, um, and and it had a great wall, high and twelve gates, and and uh, the, and the names uh, of the of twelve angels written on it, twelve tribes of the children of Israel, and uh, later when you really measure. Uh, like in verse uh, uh, 15, 16, 17, uh, the, the, the city and the walls and, and the, the foundations and so forth, um, what you really end up coming back to is that they are equal uh, to the 144,000 number, uh, which uh, pertains to the, the 12 tribes of, 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 the, of Israel. And each tribe has... has um, 
you know, um, uh, the, the, the large number all of a sudden. It's got 12,000. Each tribe has 12,000 entities. And then when you take the 12 times, uh, times the, the 12,000, you get the 144,000. So in the end, the really the translation is going from this thing that looks like a building to its significance and its interpretation and its revelation being a descriptive aspect of people that are into a, a particular uh, form of allegiance uh, to their servants, uh, service unto God. So that does not mean there is not a literal Jerusalem, because there is, and it's going to come down out of heaven, and we've described that, and it's coming from the Father's house. And that's where it's being put together, and it's, it's, it's what that we call a planetome. It's coming, coming, ladies and gentlemen, but not, not right away. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so we begin to understand that. Now, just as someone says, well, the bride that it's talking about and the bridegroom, uh, this is just talking about, you know, Jesus and, and, and the church. Uh, I, I don't question that it's talking about Jesus and the church. But when you get into singularities, and and you you uh, restrict them to being the only interpretation, then you fail to be able to even understand the interpretation as the Bible instructs us to understand it, because the Bible tells us that for that uh, when you're looking through this glass of understanding, that that uh, it is basically a, a glass uh, darkly, and and that you only see part of the revelation. So there's one half of it you don't see unless you get a special insight from God, a crystal eye vision that allows you to see past that misty darkness uh, that is enveloping uh, uh, 50% of the truth. And so God is calling, he's calling by the, the, this, this voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the bride uh, for there to be an understanding of overcoming that other 50%. That is just absolutely 100% critical. And so as we look at this and we begin to understand this and we begin to put this into our thoughts and, and at the fore, foremost uh, tip of our scene, um, uh, you know, you're going to realize that, yes, there's a, there's a physical temple and there's a spiritual temple. Yes, there's a, there's a physical temple that represents a body, a body in the sense of it being um, a collective of many, many persons. But then there's also the meaning that, that when we even take Jesus and we put him into a collective, like as being a head, and, and there is a triune aspect to that, and then there are other cases in which he says, I will be in you and you will be in me, and so he ups that and brings that into a collective, that there is also a point at which there is the singularity of the, of, of the Jesus entity uh, that is without all that collectiveness. So that these things are all a part of that part, which is a part. But when it actually comes into that moment uh, of, of understanding all of its availability and all of its capability, uh, it has all of those things. Now, the scientists out there with their string theory are trying to tell us that there's like these nine and uh, or 11 dimensions. And when we do actions and things, it happens in all of them. 
they still allow that whatever we did uh, uh, in that single action stays the same, but, but they seem to express that, but then it goes out and, and in these other dimensions uh, it's happening uh, in, in uh, this multiple way. Well, um, I have a different opinion on exactly how that ha happens and, and uh, what the real uh, truth is about that and how that correlates to the Bible or not. But, but the, the aspect of it, though, uh, that um, there is a corresponding uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, thing in which actions that we do affect something clear on the other side of something else. So we remember the Bible when it says whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So that what we do here affects way, way over there. What we do way over there affects here. And so once we begin to realize that, we begin to realize that at all the time, it's like in Corinthians where it says when, the, when this body is dissolved, we have another building not made with hands. We've got another building. When this house is dissolved, there's another one. It already existed before this one dissolved. And once you get to that understanding, then you begin to understand the parallel and the, and the importance of that parallel being understood and how that there are all these applications that apply in the plurality and these applications that apply in the singularity. And, and if you don't understand all of them, then it's like not understanding electricity, that it takes positive and negative uh, to actually form an electrical circuit. And so these are just things that uh, we've touched on before, but they're important. So the point I want to make is when we start getting into this thing about the bride and the bridegroom, we are talking something uh, that, that is a composite of intricate things. We are talking something that has deep infolds. We are talking a subject uh, that is a major uh, subject of parallels. Uh, it is a, it's a major of, of fluidity uh, that refers to that part in which the Bible says that there will be rivers flow out of our innermost being. There are rivers that have never been allowed, even by the most uh, outstanding outpourings of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there have been uh, 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 situations that, that in those experiences have reached a vanishing point. They've not known where else to go. They've not known how to go anywhere else. And so they've stopped with one river. But the Bible says, no, there's rivers of living water that can come out of your innermost being, that can flow out of your innermost being. And yes, you can talk in unknown tongues, but you can also talk in the, in the, in the tongue of angels. And then people stop right there because, oh, well, it's easier to be unknown than it is to try to figure out what talking in an angel's tongue would be. We want you to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and to hear the voice of the bride. We, we are, uh, are opening up this thing on the voice of the bride so that you can hear it. Blessed be the name of God. Now, there is an incredibly interesting scripture in Joel 2.16. So you have to go back, you know, into the Old Testament quite a good little ways, uh, you know, to get into the book of Joel. But it is well worth your time, you know, to get over there and to take a look at that uh, scripture because uh, it, 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 it's going to tie right into what I'm talking about here in a super, super way. So Joel 2 uh, 16, here, here's, here's uh, what, it, what it says. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, and those that suck the breast, 
Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. We've had a situation where the bridegroom has been forced to remain in his chamber. He said, many things I have to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. The Bible says in John, the light shone in darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. So the, 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 there has been a restriction on the revelation. There has been a restriction on the glory. There has been a, a restriction on the profound uh, a circuitry of, of, of the, the holy power of God's glorification overcoming energy. And God wants to set his people free and loose them from the bondage that has kept them separated uh, from the beauty of holiness, that has held them back from the deliverance of their own spirits, bodies, and souls. God wants to raise up in his people something so beautiful, something so glorious, something so pure and sweet and innocent, something so shining, that it will change you forever from the world that was to the new and holy Jerusalem coming down from heaven. So it says here that, that the bride, and I read it to you, and this is so absolutely sad. It's, it's just astoundingly sad. Joel 2.16. Let me read that bottom part of for, again. Let the bridegroom go forth out of his chamber and let the bride out of her closet. The bride has been bound in a closet. It's sort of called like a secret place where things aren't supposed to get out. But, you know, the Bible says, let the spirit and the bride speak. Because the, the, the bride hasn't been able to speak. Uh, the, the churches are so caught up into their misinterpretation of, of sexuality. They're, they're just in the same boat in the, in the, in, and using the same wrecking bar that, that, that the Jewish uh, Pharisees and scribes and, uh, and the, the, the Jewish uh, 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 people who were the who were the rabbi and, and the, the leaders and the various councils. <laughs> and, and, you know, it was, a, it was a down look on women. It was practically to the edge, to the border of, of a decitizenship. And when they would talk about a woman, they would talk about her as a sinner. And even though Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners, oh, they could overlook that, oh, that because he's a man. And they sort of think that's uh, sort of cute and sort of smart that he's the chief of the sinners, but look how he's turning out. And, and they have put a glue on the women to keep them silent in the church as much as possible. And I know there's some breakaway from that, but not to the extent that God wants. Jesus certainly wasn't into that. He had more ladies' disciples following him than he had men disciples. And they were like an army protecting him. And they were the ones 
that provided his finances. And I tell you this, any of you men out there that you get sort of put off when your wife wants to sort of help with the finances because time after time you keep forgetting to pay something or you go into the hole and your wife wants to step in and help you, quit yourself thinking that you're, being, you're a man that's better than a woman. Get off of that pile of trash. Jesus didn't do that. He accepted these women coming in. And, and, and helping and, and, uh, and doing financial things to keep their whole group going. He accepted it. And they were, a, they were a powerful force behind the ministry of Jesus Christ. And we're going to get into that and into this revelation because the Bible says the Spirit and the Bride say come. God is calling the people through the Holy Spirit and through the Bride. Now you have to realize that you've got you got the Father. You know, my Father which art in heaven, you got the Father. But it seems like that people get so held back from there being the mother. They don't understand that the Holy Spirit is it represents the mother. In the twelfth chapter, you have this Queen of Heaven that comes down. There is a representation by the Holy Spirit of the bride, of the mother. Of the woman. And when Jesus chose there to be an entity, a body, to bring forth the Son, Jesus Christ, he did it without there being any man. Because if there had been a man that, that, that had uh, copulated with Mary and produced this child... Not that anything would have been wrong with that. Not that that would have been impossible to produce a holy child. But if that would have been the case, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the men out there would have been giving him all the praise and they would hardly even know who this Mary was. And even the way it is, a big part of the churches don't give any credit hardly at all to Mary, the mother of Jesus. But the Bible says that her name is to never be forgotten. That it is, it is to be recognized that, 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 it, that there is a memorial due to her. And you know the majority of the churches aren't keeping it. And the ones that do uh, keep it or think they're keeping it, they aren't keeping it to the fullest understanding because they don't have the total revelation. And a lot of their doctrine is, is, is also a limit that they do put on some of the women. You had the one pope that uh, he, he made the decision that, that he put two tales together. One about a, a woman who was, uh, you know, a, a, a person that, that uh, was totally in, into prostitution. And then he connected her, he connected her with, with uh, Mary Magdalene, who's one of the most powerful, holy persons that's uh, hardly ever walked upon the face of this earth. Someone say, oh, well, now I don't know about that. Of course you don't know about that. That's why I'm opening up this thing about the, about the Holy Spirit and the bride that are saying, come, come and hear something new. Come and hear something about a new Jerusalem that's coming down out of heaven. Not man-made, not preacher-made, not developed in some seminary. Blessed be the name of God 
The Holy Spirit is speaking right now to you to hear this word of God. Come. Why, we also have the situation with the alabaster box in which this woman with her hair wipes the feet of Jesus. And we'll get more into that later. But he says this must be a memorial to her forever. And some people think just because it's posted in the Bible and they read it once in a while, that takes care of it. What a sham. What a shame. What a false edel that does not have pitch. So ladies and gentlemen, can you imagine that the Bible says here in Joel 16 that the woman is, the woman is in the closet? And it says, let the bridegroom go forth out of his chamber and let the bride out of her closet. This is the word of God. This is the same Joel with all those incredible prophecies and insights that he had about going all the way far, far, far toward the end of time. He saw so many things. And he sees this revelation. He sees this condition of the bride being bound in the closet. And God's saying, no, it's time to let the bride out of the closet. It's time to come into the recognition of the ministry of the handmaidens of the Lord. Praise be the name of God. That was Joel 2.16. You know, and if you look up the Strong's Concordance in the Hebrew Dictionary, 26... 46, 26, 45, 26, 45, or pardon me, 26, 44. So that's 26, 44, 26, 45, 26, 46 in the Hebrew Dictionary Concordance. And it means things like it means the closet, but it also means the veil and the protest and doing something secretly. And Jesus talked about the closet, and you can reference this, about sometimes if you've got something that's really important, don't go out there and try to spread it with the, with the world because they're not really wanting to hear it. So he talks about going to the closet, and there's other things. You can just look at that for reference, Matthew 6, 6 and Luke 12, 3. Those are just all interesting kind of things. Now let's just do a little uh, a profile here on uh, Mary Magdalene. This is a physical profile. Now, Mary's last name was Magdalene. And um, Magdalene uh, reveals that she is from the town of Magdala. And, and because Mary didn't, wouldn't have had a last name, except that she was given a descriptive name to show where she's from. And so when it said Mary Magdalene, it's Mary from from this town and that helps boil down which Mary it is. So she's from the town of Magdala. M-A-M-A-G-D-A-L-A. Now, uh, this is described in the Bible. You can see the spelling of Magdala in Matthew 1539. Of the ten cities located on the shores of Galilee. Now, Galilee, of course, had towns and villages uh, that were uh, 
you know, more internal, and that weren't just around the the Lake of Galilee. But of the ten uh, cities located on the shores of Galilee, Magdala was the largest. And historically, it was estimated in the time of Jesus to have a population of somewhere thirty to 40,000 people. And it involved a mix of people, Jewish and non-Jewish. There were Certainly a lot of people there had sort of been Greek, Greek eyes. I mean, they had had a lot of Greekish background things. Now, the very name of Magdalene or Magdala, uh, if you look at it aramedically, if you, if, you, if you get into, you know, that language, then it, it actually means fish tower. Now Magdala, the town, was located where the Sea of Galilee reaches its greatest width. Historically, Magdala was a commercial fish port and a boat building center. Now I'm not too much for the, the Talmud, but that is some information, that last little line that they do have there. And after all, they were the, the people that were the Jews and they should know some things. Not everything, but some things. But there are many other historical places that you can verify the fish thing and the boat building thing. In fact, recently in archeolo- archaeological dig, they found a, a boat that uh, could carry quite a few people. Most of the boats that they used on the Sea of Galilee uh, could only carry at the most 13 people. That was enough to have all the disciples of Jesus in the boat and Jesus. They weren't just gigantic ships. Okay, so this fish tower city, our our village or town, uh, as we said, was you know um, it was it was the largest of all these other ten cities, and it was it's at this place of the greatest width of, of the, of the uh, Sea of Galilee. And uh, so um, it was, uh, as I said, a fish port and a, a boat building center. Now the Greek name for, for, um, for Magdala uh, is, is an interesting name, Tarichi. And when we look up this word, because sometimes the city was called that, other times people historically have referred to Mary Magdalene because Mary Magdalene meant Magdala. And so whatever word means the same thing as Magdala also applies to her. So Terra Ricci, which was a Greek word, uh, you know, had, had an important meaning. And we'll get into that in just a moment or so. Now, Mag- uh, Magdala was located approximately three miles from the town of Tiberias. Tiberias was built by Herod Antipas, who was the youngest son of Herod the Great, but had become deceased. Her- Herod the Great had been deceased. And Herod Antipas built Tiberia as the capital of Galilee on the western shore of Galilee. And he, he um, ruled Galilee and other nearby territories from that capital. 
And that capital, Tiberius, and sometimes they even went ahead and, you know, they tried, some of the people tried to change the name of, of the Lake of Galilee to the Lake of Tiberias. But the Roman concept didn't quite stick. The name of the town did. But it was only approximately, uh, Tiberius was only approximately three miles from, from Magdala. And, and then there's Capernaum where Jesus visited different times. And, and uh, some people say he lived as a young boy. And that was only a few miles from Magdala. Now, let's get back to this name, Terichi, the Greek name that is a description of Magdala. The historian Josephus mentions a wealthy Galilean town with prosperous fish factories. The Greek name, Tarichi, actually means prosperous fisheries. Now Mary Magdala is shown to have been quite well off and had quite a bit of money and uh, with her money supported the ministry of Jesus. And she had other ladies that were under her that also had money that helped support the ministry of Jesus. And Mary Magdala was a business owner of a fish processing business. And this was listed under uh, Herod, Herod's, um, Herod Antipas taxation code. It was listed as a fish processor. Mary Magdala was a fish processor. She was well known to Jesus and to the disciples. Why? <laughs> because that was the biggest city off, off, off of or the biggest town off, off the Lake of, of Galilee. And it, was, it was, had the fish tower. There was actually a picture of a fish tower. And, and uh, it was a, a processing place. And it was, it was a fish city. And they went there and they sold their fish to Mary Magdalene. She knew all the disciples by name. She knew Jesus. Every day that they caught fish, they brought them into her and she bought them. Wow. The thing that Mary did that helped her gain so much money when she's processing this, this, you know, these fish, uh, it's, it's, it's a process, you know, of, of salting them, curing them, drying them. So that's the, the, that's an important process. That enabled people to be able to have food that lasted for a long time. Who didn't have they didn't have refrigeration then, but the additional thing about Mary Magdalene was she was a spice and flavor specialist. She was the spice lady. So in her finishing processing business, and she, you'll see how how important this turns out to be in the ministry and the revelation about her. In her fishing processing business, 
she cured dried and salted fish for the market. But the choice choice fish, she used a special sauce that she created, flavored with cinnamon, cloves, and sometimes magnet or coriander seeds be sprinkled over him. And she exported her general products through the spice and silk roots that existed in those days. But the choice treated fish she sold at very good prices to the wealthy aristocratic families. For instance, and get this now, hang and get a hold of this. For instance, Mary was a good friend to Joanna. Joanna is mentioned as being with Mary much of the time as part of the group of the women that supported Jesus' ministry. But the wife, jo- Joanna was the wife of Chusa, and Chusa was Herod's top steward who did the buying for Herod Antipas' whole royal household. Check that out in Luke 8, 2. So you can see that with that connection that she had through her connection to the women, and that she she had the market to the aristocratic families, and she would travel into Jerusalem. She would travel and, and go to other aristocratic families. And she'd be able to use the reference of Herod Antipas and his steward. And she had an incredible business and her capability of spice and flavor was second to none, in my opinion. Wow, what a story. What, what a story that we're laying down to sort of give a background on this lady. Now we get to this thing about the diary of Mary Magdala. First, I want you to know this has nothing to do with Dan Brown's Holy Grail diaries, uh, you know, of Mary Magdalene, which supposedly... were taken out of this San, uh, San uh, Grail uh, documents that were found by the Templar knights under the temple and that supposedly told the story about Mary Magdalene and where he put together his, his uh, whole concept, you know, and, uh, and um, it has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with the the Gnostic Gospels, and some of the things that they say. So, we're going to, we're going to, get, now we're going to talk into, uh, uh, about what the diary is that I'm talking about. Well, I'm talking about the diary in Revelations 12, uh, pardon me, 20. Revelations 20. And verse 12 and 15. And this talks about And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books, plural, books, 
were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Now there's a diary, ladies and gentlemen, that the Bible tells about. And it's, it's, it's a part of those collection of the books of life, but it's this particular book that has to do with each individual. Each individual has a particular diary. And that diary is mentioned in the Bible, and that's the book I'm taken out of. I'm not taken out of some other fabled, uh, you know, uh, thing that has been uh, engineered and put together by a lot of imagination. And I'm not knocking anyone that's done any of those things, however they've done it. I'm just telling you this story as I am telling it to you. And I'm using scripture for backing all of these things. So, I'm talking about a lemon diary, and that's what I'm taking this information from about Mary Magdalene. Because there's a whole lot more in there than appears on the surface as we dig into it. Now let's look at this experience in Luke 8. If you turn with me to Luke 8, and uh, this will be the beginning of uh, clarifying some important things. I have preached on this uh, uh, particular uh, breakdown of definitions of a word, uh, but I only did it that once, and probably a lot of you people may not have even understood it or, or really got the message. Uh, but I know some of you did, because some of you people have talked to me, and that's very impressive. But now, in Luke 8, verse 1, And it came to pass afterwards that he went throughout every city and village preaching, it's talking about Jesus, showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the twelve that were with him. And certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Mary, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Now, people, go, people are out there saying that Mary Magdalene had seven devils cast out of her. That's absolutely incorrect, and the Bible does not say that. Someone says, well, you just read it. No, I did not. You just heard it wrong. It does not say there were seven devils cast out of her. It says that she was healed. Now, you don't heal devils to get them to come out of somebody. And that is not a healing ministry. When you're delivering someone from, from demon possession that are devils in, that have... Uh, that have entered into a person. So, when you really look up this word in the concordance and in the Greek, it's very, very interesting. Because it seems to indicate that there is something, some kind of sickness that she had that belonged to the mental vein. Like, I don't mean vein in the sense of some membrane, but I'm talking about as best as they understood it, it was some kind of a mental thing. Well, even when you're talking about your genes, and even when you're talking about the DNA, you know, that's all connected to the, to the mental apparatus, and how, how a person thinks, and how a person relates to what they think, 
and how they're affected by things they do as to the orientation of their mind. So when we go back and we really study the word demon, you don't have to go too far back in history to understand that it has had other meanings. The word daemon used to be considered a good word. And there could be good daemons or bad daemons. Well, you had the breakdown. You had the word demon. You had the word daemon. And you had the word daemon. This is three different meanings. But here, when we're talking about being healed of this condition, we are talking about daemons. And the daemon refers to genies. Genies from the word gene, the genes in your body. Now, these genes can also, in a particular way, refer to the ancestral spirit impressions that go back in history, way back in history, to ancestors of yours that left imprints that affected the genes and the DNA. And there can be this jump of the genes in which those things many, many uh, generations uh, back in your genetic code suddenly leap forward and begin to affect you. And there were these seven genetic impressions that were causing Mary Magdalene a lot of distress. She was having to fight it all the time and she was weary with it. And she had confidence that Jesus Christ could heal her. Now, some people have what they call diamond, diamond, which is gets into another subject, you know, sort of like a a ghost type of things. A lot of that is imaginative that people get into. But I want to tell you that Mary Magdalene did not have devils. She was not possessed of devils. She had demons. And when Jesus healed her, he healed her genetic lattice. And he removed those germs of impression by ancestral spirits that had been a part of that genetic tree and left impressions on that genetic tree that was now in her body. And he went in there and he removed those. He healed her of those seven genetic imprints. And that changed her lattice. Because once those were opened up, all of a sudden her mind began to open up and she began to remember things like who she really was. And once, although she'd had this attraction of Jesus as a spiritual leader, a spiritual person, she knew there was something she couldn't put her finger on. She knew there was even more, but she couldn't put her finger on it. But when he healed her, I was talking to a minister just the other day, and this minister said, now, the Bible says that he cast the demons out of her. I said, no, it does not say that. 
said, oh, yes, it does. I said, oh, no, it doesn't. He said, well, I'll just show you right here. And then he read it to me. And he read right over the word healed. And he said, so see there, there it is. It says it right there. He, he cast out these demons. I said, it doesn't say that. You're reading something into it that it doesn't even say. It doesn't say cast out. It says healed. And, and that is a terrible problem that has happened in the, in the church world. It's, it's made um, people in the medical prof uh, uh, profession think that, that religious people are pagans. Because they think that everything that a person has in the way of a sickness, a sore throat, anything they get, it's called by demons, caused by demons. And that is the most stupid, ignorant, divisive thing of Satan, to discredit the Bible, discredit the, the, the teachings of Christ, discredit the Word, because it has not been understood. They do not know that there was a, going back in time, a period when the the Bible being translated into the old English got into the limited meaning of just demon and all the other meanings like daemon and demon were left out. And so people left out left out part of the, the revelation, just like the word hell. You read in Peter and they were about going into hell, but the word is actually Tartaru. It means incarceration. You read in, in the Bible about hell, and it's talking about Gehenna. But it's just hell. Uh, you read all kinds of things like that uh, where they have taken away a bunch of the other meanings and definitions, and therefore it has limited and restricted the word of God. And so now is the time, ladies and gentlemen, that the word of God is coming forth, and God is opening the vision to people. Now, this diary, you know, a diary means experience, memoir, reminiscence, the, the, the reminiscences of things, life, journal, personal record, saga, saga a profile, notebook, log, record. And that's what you're getting in this book of life. It has all those things. It's got all of those. And so we want to thank God. Why, when, when, the, when Satan... Lucifer Satan was made to leave out of heaven. He wasn't healed and then sent to earth. He was cast out, the Bible says. So when you see the scripture, it says they cast out. Now it's talking about devils. But when you see where the scripture says they were healed, it's talking about a physical problem in your body, part of your genetics, part of your genes, part of your DNA. And that's, a, that's demon, not demon. All right. We've got to keep this thing going because we have an awful lot to cover. Wow. There's so much. So absolutely much. It is just uh, almost too much. <laughs> But we will get as much of this done as possible because it's, a, it's, it's, it's something that God wants the people to know. He wants you to know. You know, there's, there's some really incredible things that people aren't aware of and that people are confused about. 
I was reading an article here the other day, and this minister from a certain church, and he was interpreting this thing about the uh, John the Beloved that was always seen leaning on the breast of, of Jesus. And he says, well, it's obvious that he was a gay. Now, he said there's different kinds of gay. He wasn't just a totally sexual type of gay, but he was the other kind of gay. And uh, and uh, now I don't want to knock him. I don't want to put him down. Uh, I can tell you when I've had business, I've had people who were into all kinds of things, and I never penalized them. Said you can't work for me. I treated them the same as I treated anybody. I never judged them. The Bible says, "Let every person work out their own salvation, fear and trembling." Some people say, "Yeah, but the Bible says." Oh, yeah, is that right? Well, you don't really know what the Bible says, or you wouldn't even said that. Because if you want to take the old law about the Bible and what it says about some of these people, and you want to live by the old law, well, then you're doomed. Because the Bible says that nobody can really live by that old law, especially women. If a husband even thought that a woman was, that his wife was going out on him, just thought it, just imagined it, he could be forced to go and, 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 and be tested by the priest. And they would fix up a concoction from where they have the, uh, the sacrifices and where all the bits of meat fall with all the, the, you know, the maggots and all the worst kind of stuff and all the poison that's there. And they would make a concoction. Conco- concoction. And if the woman uh, swelled up or got sick or died, then she was guilty. But if for somehow, some reason, she didn't swell up or get sick and die, then she was innocent. They didn't have any test that the husband had to take. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that kind of a thing. And that was never anything that was ever ordained by God. That was ordained by people who were operating God as represented. They were people representing God. They were humans with all their mistakes and problems. And they were representing God in things that maybe they thought was what God was saying, but it was not what God was saying. I'm following Jesus because Jesus had love. Jesus had mercy. Blessed be the name of Jesus. So there's this thing, <clears throat> people not understanding, <clears throat> about Mary Magdalene. And they get into some of these other uh, extra, uh, you know, uh, biblical books. And they start reading about, you know, uh, people kissing one another. And they don't understand what that really means. And the next thing you know, uh, because of their their sexuality problems, like mo- a big part of the church, it can't preach on sexuality because you know they got so many problems and corruptions within the church itself that they don't know how to preach on it. So they're getting more and more into entertainment. Wow. Let's talk about the resurrection at the tomb. John twenty, seventeen. We're gonna have to move here, folks. I got so much to get into. John twenty seventeen. Now this is very, very interesting. And when you really hear this, I mean it's just important things that you need to know. Now, John twenty seventeen says this. 
Jesus, uh, uh, Mary Magdalene, she 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 come early, and she came to the sepulcher. Starts ta- starts talking about it in verse eleven, and she's weeping. And as she's we- she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and she sees two angels. And uh, and they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. This isn't an ordinary woman. She's not afraid of anything. She's a worker. She says, I'll carry his body out of here. Tell me where you laid him. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll move him. I'll take him and, and to, to where he can be respected. And that person who she thought was a gardener, who was Jesus, said unto her, Mary. And as soon as he said Mary, the way he said it, she turned herself and said, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. And Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But I go to my brethren, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend to my father and your father, and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came to the disciples and told them that they had seen the Lord and that she had spoken these things unto them. But now let's look at something else here. Because it is quite incredible. Look at Matthew twenty eight nine. Before we put a period on this thing. Matthew 28, 9. Now Matthew 28, 9. She has just been talking to the angels. The angels have said that Jesus is risen. And in verse 9... And as they went to tell the disciples, she had some ladies with her now at this time. Some of them had just arrived. Uh, she got there real early. Behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. This is only a matter of just a very short time in the, in the, in the scenario of all this. So this was a touch me not, touch me. Don't touch me because I haven't ascended to the Father. Okay, go ahead and touch me. They're <laughs> touching him and holding on to his feet, worshiping him, just within a matter of a very short period of time. Maybe 30 minutes or less. Well, people need to understand what that's about. I've preached on this before, but we teach in the manifest photo transition and photo translation. And so Jesus was actually somewhere else. 
And he was connected with Mary. He felt her spirit. And so he phototransitioned himself. And he was totally aware because he was, he was omnipresent. He was capability. <clears throat> and he appeared in a phototransition. Well, now, a phototransition is not a phototranslation. If he phototranslated, he would be there in a physical form. But he was already in a, in a physical form in, a, form in another place. Didn't want to change that. So he phototransitioned. And when she looked at him, she could see him as a person. But she didn't realize that if she would have touched him, her hand would have went right through his body. Because he was more like in a spirit stage and not in a physical materialized stage. But by time, that short period of time had gone by and he had finished the other ministry thing he was doing, he phototranslated and he was there actually in his physical body and they could touch him and feel him. He didn't want her to be a sh a shook. So when he said, I have not ascended to my father, was another way of saying, and if we really went to the, to the uh, Greek word, which I don't have the time to go into today, you would see it, 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 it just basically is saying is that he had not gone into the form that was assigned to him by the Father to be into, which was the, the, the Jesus Christ uh, body and being. And so that's just a simple explanation of that. And that uh, is, uh, you know, very, very important uh, to understand. Now later, when... Um, Jesus goes to appear to the disciples in Luke 24, 36 to 37 and verse 38. He had to upbraid them some and say, look, you keep saying I'm a spirit, but feel me, touch me. A spirit does not have flesh and bones. I have flesh and bones. I'm not just a spirit. So we see here scriptural evidence to support this phototransition. And how that these people, they had seen so many different things from Jesus, from walking on the water to, the, to disappearing in the, in the crowds, uh, to doing all kinds of extraordinary, uh, incredible things. <clears throat> <clears throat> all right. Now we're going to go into something deeper about Mary. Who was this Mary? We need to more, know more about her. Look at while you're in. Look at Mark 16. Let's just get it. This is this is an incredible thing we're going to get into here, and uh, and let's look at at, at Mark 16:9. Now, when Jesus was risen that first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that he had been with him as they mourned and wept. Now when it says here, cast seven devils, you have to take everything by the context. You can't take one thing by one context and something else by a different context. It all has to go together. So since in the context that it mentioned that he healed Mary of those devils, <coughs> of those demons, 
and then he, he had cast out the spirits. It's talking about casting out the genies, but not casting out demons. So when it says cast out the spirits, it's talking about casting out the demons, are the are the are you know the word that we helped you to learn so that they would not have a misunderstanding of what the reality of this really was and this needed to be needed to be understood this this daemon reality needed to be understood and so um there is an aka word here and the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary. Now, when we look up this word first, because I know it's an akka, it's got, it's got deep words to it. In the Greek concordance, number 4412, of all the words that it, that it is, it's the word proton, P-R-O-T-O-N, like the proton positive and the electron negative is proton. And let's look at some of the meanings here because they are quite incredible. Absolutely quite incredible. And that's what we don't want to miss and we want to really, really get into it. Bless the name of God. It means first, firstly, it means at the chief beginning, first of all, it's connected to 4413, which means before, former. It's connected to 14, uh, 4414, which means one standing first in the ranks, captain, champion, ringleader. Ladies and gentlemen, this word first here describes some things that have been r rumored in various other ancient books that Mary was an apostle to the apostle to the apostles, a disciple to the disciples. And she was appeared to first before all of the others because she was first. And she was not only first in the sense of being over those apostles and those prophets. But she was first from the sense that she was, number 4413, from before of a former, F-O-R-M-E-R, of a former life, a former existence. I present to you, ladies and gentlemen, that Mary Magdalene was an Artesian from the Father's house from the seed and offspring of Enoch. And that in that other father's house realm, and I'm going to have to get into just talking about some of this without hoping to be able to give you, have the time for all the scriptures. And so you're going to, I'm ask, going to ask you to be patient with me and before you, you blow your wits or scramble your eggs, that you give a chance to come back on next week when I get into the scriptures in a deeper, more profound way on some of these things. But I'm going to say something pretty incredible. I've had people say to me, there is no place in the Bible that's, that Jesus, that it is said that Jesus has a wife. And I said, I beg your pardon, sir. 
He said, there's no place in the Bible. I said, well, yes, it is. there is. He said, no, that's not true. I said, well, I beg your pardon. It is there. He says, well, no, you cannot show me that anywhere. I said, well, why don't I just take the time to do it? I said, do you have any problem with the, uh, you know, the King James translation? No. He said, that's my favorite. He said, for sure you weren't, you're not going to find it there. Okay, well, turn with me to the 19th chapter of Revelations and the 7th through 9th verse. And here's what it says in the 7th verse. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife, his wife, W-I-F-E, hath made herself ready. I said, that's the Bible said it. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. Someone said, well, that just can't be right, because if Christ has a wife, then he can't really be holy and divine. What are you talking about? Have you been listening to a bunch of those hypocrites that are preaching over bowed pulpits? What's the matter with you? Take a look down your feet and see if you don't have a bunch of hog pen stuff on them. You're slopped up with a bunch of misconfigured, misconstrued disinformation that is keeping the bride in the closet. You know it's absolutely possible if there was to be such a sacred, sacred, sacred pure plan. You know that Jesus could have just appeared already a full adult. And if someone said, well, where where did you come from? He could have said what he was telling people anyway. I came from heaven. I came from my Father, which art in heaven. He sent me here. He wouldn't have had to have been born as a baby and, and come through, you know, the organs of a woman. Wouldn't have had to. So, well, it was all made different because it was by the Holy Spirit. Is that right? Well, look how many people out here that do have the Holy Spirit and they're into all kinds of sins, constantly needing to be forgiven. It is totally possible that you just absolutely don't realize the message of Jesus. That you just haven't got the message down. Because the Bible says some incredible things about Jesus. You know? It, it is just absolutely sensational some of the things that, that, that is said of how that he had to overcome. And that only with, with much, many tears and, 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 and almost like trembling before God was he able to overcome. Jesus, that's Jesus I'm talking about. That's in the Bible. You want to challenge me that it's not there? You're sure welcome to do it. Don't feel too sorry for yourself when I make a fool out of you and show you that it's right in the Word of God. Right in the Word of God and says it just like I'm saying it. 
It's real, folks. It's absolutely real. And people have got to start coming around and understand that this Word of God is not what they have been taught. It's not how they have been taught that it is supposed to be. It is not what it is supposed to be as they have been taught. And it's time to let the bride out of the closet. It is time to reveal the bride. It is time to make it be known. Some say, well, why? Why would Jesus have to get married? Well, the Bible says he had to be tempted in all things, such as you and I. And one of the biggest things of all things to be tempted in has to be sex and has to be the married life. And if you're made in such a way that you're in such high celibacy that you're not even affected by that, then going up to the mount of, of temptation is just a sham. Because you're so guaranteed against uh, being susceptible to temptation that it's just a sham. He had to be tested in all these things and he had to overcome them, and he did. Well, he was married to Mary Magdalene at the Father's house. Now, there's a whole story about the Father's house. Because in the book of Genesis, when the Bible says that that the humans were made in God's image, that's the Elohim, the gods, in the image of the God, they had physical bodies. So that they could commune. On an eye-level understanding, they could appear amidst the people. And they, they decided to make humans have bodies like what they had, very similar. And they weren't coming here to be here for a few thousand years like the preachers are t- preaching from the pulpits. They understood star time. They understood that time is going on for thousands and millions of years. Wow. The lamb has come and his wife hath made herself ready. Ladies and gentlemen, someone says, well, what about, what about this young man, the John, and him leaning on, on Jesus? That's not like anybody has thought either. John was the son of Mary Magdalene and Jesus. In the Father's house planet. And there's scripture for all of this. Wow. Someone says, well, why was he leaning on? Because he had a restoration of his memory. And Mary Magdalene had a restoration of her memory. Oh, how I wanted to share with you so many other things. I'm running out of time. And when when John would lean against the chest of Jesus, he could feel his spirit and his revelation 
could pick up all kinds of things that he could not find Jesus alone anywhere, hardly ever to be able to talk with him and, and answer his questions, but he could lean on him and he could pick up from his soloplex where the Spirit is and pick up all these revelations and come into his mind and then he would think upon those things when he was out there doing other works and things. That's what that was about. It's just like this thing when the, the fellows wanted to pay the tax. And they didn't have the money. And Jesus says, well, why did you make this obligation? We're not supposed to have to pay the tax. He says, okay, go to the sea. Go to the sea. Throw in the hook. Now there's all kinds of people around listening all the time when Jesus talks. And he says, the first fish you catch, open its mouth and there'll be money in it. Well, that was a code. That first fish was talking about the first who was Mary Magdalene. It was talking about going to her and getting the money. She was the code of the first fish. And he had that in his talk, but other people couldn't understand it because it was like a parable. Wow. Well, you know what I want to do? I want to show you more of these scriptures next week. And I want to show you, I want to go through a whole bunch of raptures that the Bible says has taken place that the majority of people will not believe it until I read it to them and I go through the scriptures with them of all these incredible other raptures that have gone on on the earth. And it's in the Bible. I want to show you about, oh, eight or ten raptures. Well, our Father, which art in heaven, on this incredible revelation day about Mary Magdalene, this first disciple, this lady who'd been given bad bad report called all kinds of things that she was not who was first there at the resurrection who was with him when he was on the cross standing unafraid of the Roman centurion, centurions and soldiers it was the ladies and John, the beloved. Oh God, reach out today and touch the people. Heal them. Those that can't quite understand this, cause them to have a mind of patience till they can hear these scriptures and get into this incredible revelation. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you on this wonderful Easter day. May God heal you and make you whole. God bless you. We love you. Amen.